0: So let's get back into the book of Acts, the lesson, the story we've been going through, and the story of the first followers of Jesus. So we've already seen in the first two chapters the coming of the Holy Spirit with great power, okay? We've seen an explosion of church growth, 3,000 baptisms. And we've seen that picture of the first beautiful Christian community they had uh, last week. God is on the move, His Spirit is working powerfully, and His people are responding with confident faith. So we pick up the story today, we're going to go through chapters 3 and 4, at least most of it, and the power of the Spirit ramps up even more, okay? So does their courage, so does the boldness of their faith. Let's begin in Acts chapter 3, when we first see the disciples of Jesus engaging in a bold ministry, okay? Here, Peter and John encounter a beggar who was crippled from birth, and he asked them for money. Let's pick it up in verse six. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, he began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts with them, uh, walking and jumping and praising God, amen? You know, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized that's the same guy you know, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and and amazement at what had happened to him. What an incredible story. Have you ever seen God do more than you imagined? Have you ever seen God do more than you even asked him to do? Yeah, give it up, yeah. God does amazing things. How did you respond? Well, this guy, he responds in the most appropriate way, giving glory and praise to God. And the people were amazed. And that's a nice story, isn't it? And if only Peter and John had just walked away at that point, right? Take the win, go on your way, right? But no. They lived out their faith in spirit-led action and in bold ministry, but they did not stop there. They didn't just live their faith, they spoke the message. They left no room for other interpretations or lesser explanations. They witnessed about Jesus. They connected this event to the resurrection power of Jesus. They followed their bold ministry with a bold message. A crowd gathers, and Peter says, Why are you surprised? As if we made this man walk by our own power. And then he points to Jesus, he says, This Jesus whom God has glorified, but you have disowned. Look at verse 15. Peter says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as all can see. And then Peter says in verse 19 and 20, Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you even Jesus. So Peter seized the moment, and he spoke the life-giving truth about Jesus. Here's what I want to say to us about this today. Are we willing to speak the words that explain our faith? Is there someone in your life that knows you're a follower of Jesus? They know you go to church, but maybe you've never spoken to them to tell them why. Why? Why are you here this morning? Why are you a follower of Jesus? You know, uh, it doesn't have to be a complicated speech. In fact, it's better if it's not fancy talk. You have a testimony. You are the best witness for how Jesus has changed your life, okay? Uh, What following Jesus means to you. What you were like before Jesus became Lord of your life. What caused you to seek Jesus out, to cry out to help from God. And then what God has done to shape you and grow you. Okay, Since you said no more to the old way of life, and you said yes to following Jesus. How has that changed your life? So do this this week, church. Pray for someone you know that needs the Lord. Don't pray for the opportunity to come up to talk to them. I mean, yes, you can do that, but what about not doing just that? How about reaching out to someone and saying, hey, I'd like to talk. There's some stuff that's really important to me I've been wanting to share with you. You know it's a nice story again and now okay everything's good it's all wrapped up nicely right nope Peter and John were about to take it up another notch from bold ministry and a bold message to a bold kind of faith that requires the courage of ordinary men so those religious leaders they were not happy because the teaching about Jesus resurrection undermined their power undermined their authority and their teaching so as we move into chapter 4 we see that they threw Peter and John in jail but that many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to 5,000. The church is still growing, but Peter and John are now hauled into court, and they're asked, by what power or name did you do this miracle? Let's read verse 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and we're being asked you know, to, to how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And there it is. That's the hinge point right there. That's the bold, no-compromise position that Jesus requires all of us to contend with, okay? It's a fork in the road, and you must take it. Is there anyone or anything else that can save you? And will you testify about it? Is there anyone or anything greater than Jesus in your life? Is anything else king? Check out the next next verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. How cool is that? Note the courage of ordinary people who have been with Jesus. It's noteworthy. It was then, it is now. And when we speak up and say why Jesus is changing our life, it becomes even more potent. When we do it with the boldness, but also the love that comes from Christ towards the people we want to reach, it's even more powerful. In verse 17 and 18, they tell them, stop this message from spreading anymore. And they command them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So, Peter and John, now they have another easy way out, okay? Okay, just don't, just don't, just stop talking about this Jesus guy. Will they take the comfortable, safe way? What do you think? Listen again to the words of these courageous, unschooled, ordinary men. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They were so impacted by the life and the teachings and the resurrection of Jesus, they couldn't stop talking about him. Hmm. Amazingly, they were let go. Because it says all the people were praising God and the man who was healed was over 40 years old. I used to think 40 was old. It's very young. So now the disciples relax, right? They hunker down, they keep quiet, they're like, whew, we dodged a bullet, we just, now we're, we're okay. Not quite. Peter and John go back, and now they tell the more than 5,000 believers that, you know, all about this, and it says they raise their voices together in prayer, and listen to their bold prayer, jumping in here at verse 29. A bold prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This has got to be the greatest, boldest, double down, triple down in church history. I mean, the place was shaken, and they filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. Well, that's the story. It's a great one. I want to walk us through some reflections, maybe some takeaways, and really two main things that I'll go through quickly. Is One is how not to be a bold witness for Jesus, and then also how to be a bold witness for Jesus. And so we're going to start with the don'ts, and then we'll move into the do's. And in fact, here's a little instructional video that might help clear things up. When we started off in evangelism, we were like, hey, you're going to hell if you die tonight. Are mm-hmm. you okay with that? One way I like to just mix it up on them, I say, if you die tomorrow, mm-hmm. will you go to hell? Because mm-hmm. they're expecting tonight because it's immediate, but sometimes that really throws them off. Oh, when the saints go marching in, everybody! Oh, I want to be in we like to use various bible stories as models for evangelism Mm -hmm. there's one Mm -hmm. kevin in our office Uh, we we marched around him because he god showed me he was our jericho and i'm i'm kind of the worshiper of the couple Mm -hmm. so i i went in front of him just with singing and dancing Mm -hmm. and then he followed Sinner. Oh, On the eighth day, he transferred to Omaha, and we never saw him again. Zion, Zion. Jesus loves you. Sound the alarm. He died for you. If you died tomorrow, oh, would you go to heaven or hell? So uh, I think something happened there. I think, mm-hmm. I think his heart was touched. Really. Me too? And he's just spreading the love of Jesus in Omaha is my best guess. Sinners, God loves you very much. Almost got him. Oh, all right, don't do it that way. You know, Richard, he made that video years, years ago, and, he and I was, we were talking about the slide, this message, and he said, uh, I've got a video. I don't know if you want to use it. I'm like, ah, yeah, I want to use it. Uh, but seriously, how to not be a bully, well, that's a caricature. That's fun. But like, really, first, don't be a jerk. You know, Peter, the preacher in this story that we just read, he was a real hothead before all of this. And yet in the letter he writes in 1st Peter, he gives some very pointed teaching on how we to conduct ourselves even when we're being mistreated or canceled or even persecuted. Peter gives us a word. In 1 Peter 2:12 he writes, "Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God." So remember, this is the same guy from our story today, and think of the hardships and all the persecutions he went through in his life, and yet he writes these other words that I'm going to read now in 1st Peter. He says, "Do not repay evil with evil." Or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. And if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. What an amazing testimony from Peter. We're not victims. We have the victory in Jesus. Can I get an amen for that, please? We have the victory in Jesus. But that road to victory can be really hard. So in being a bold, vocal, courageous follower of Jesus, we want to do it while displaying the character of Christ. Okay, let's bring more light than heat. You know, it's easy to complain, it's easy to grumble, it's easy to hit back, but what if we try to connect with people? What if we try to serve them and love them well as agents of reconciliation and redemption? As if God was making his appeal through us. (laughs) While standing firmly in the humble confidence we have in Christ. So, don't be a jerk, and secondly, don't be a know-it-all. Like I said before, a personal story is better than a polished argument any day. Anyway, it's okay also to say, you know what, I'm not sure about that question you have. Can we look into it together? And third, don't be a self-righteous hypocrite. Whether the accusation against us of hypocrisy is fair or not, regardless, the most effective response, do you know the most effective response to a charge of hypocrisy? Own our faults. (laughs) Just admit that we're far from perfect. And in fact, that's a really good transition to talking about our testimony and how we need salvation that comes by the grace of God as much as the next person. And that gives you an entry into your testimony and your story. And so sometimes we have to apologize for the jerks. Sometimes I am the jerk, and I just got to admit it. All right, now briefly, how to be a bold witness for Jesus. First, put your confidence in the Lord, not in yourself— Not in your abilities or the things of men. Secondly, keep your focus on Jesus. Not on yourself, not on your pet peeves, not on your favorite issues. You know the world in Peter and John's time, it was a mess back then too, and there were horrible things going on then, but they couldn't stop talking about Jesus. We can put our confidence in the Lord in all circumstances, and that's the third thing. Act, speak, and love boldly like Peter and John. Follow their example. We've got to love boldly because we're not only engaging ideas, we're engaging people, people who are made in the image of God, people that Christ calls us to love and to serve. We can't claim to love our neighbors without a real demonstration of that love. So love for God and love for others must be what moves us to speak and to act. You know, speaking of a courageous, bold, you know, ordinary men and women, I've been following the story of a church in Ukraine. That has sprung into bold action in response to this terrible crisis of this Russian army coming and invading their country. And now, this last week, just pretty much reducing their town to rubble. Uh, They've been acting and serving and loving with great boldness and courage as so many Christians are over there. The Irpin Bible Church is a non-denominational church, very much like ours. In fact, on a map, their city is a, it's a suburb of Kiev, and it's much like the sugar Land of Houston is the way it looks like to me. And in a minute, I'm going to show you some video of this church. It begins with what looks like a video report. They were given a report three months ago of their building, their new building that was almost finished. Following that, there's what's obviously kind of their welcome to church video kind of showing their fellowship and their worship time and letting people know about their church. And then finally, I added some snippets of a few other songs during their worship services. I want you to take note that these worship clips are from their service on February 20th, just a few days before the invasion began. As you watch this video, I think you'll be struck like I was by just how similar their church seems to ours, even though there's obviously a language difference. A few weeks ago, they worshiped and they fellowshiped together, much like we're doing today. But that was a few weeks ago. After the video I'm going to share some updates from their church. Let's watch. Задімени Світлиця, споруда, яка більше як 10 років штаонний зал богослужбовий для семінарів, уже зараз тут проходять підліткові клуби. Сімейні клуби, молодіжні клуби, далі у нас церковне кафе. Воно тимчасове, тому що зараз триває людей, молоді найрізноманітнішим чином для Господньої Слави. В основній частині залу – 330 крісел, тут на балконі – 120. Тому ми робимо три богослужіння – о 9-й, о 11-й і о Думаю, що ви не здогадували. Перпську біблійну церкву. Будемо раді разом з вами розділити спільність. Ми цінуємо Бога та послуг йому у любові. Це зрозуміле викладення в умовах сучасної культури. Ми цінуємо служіння командою, яка зростає в єдності та ефективності. І чертовною любов. Ми цінуємо. Вітаємо вас, дорогі брати і сестри, друзі, гості Рпінські. You see the youth group, you see the kids ministry, you see the worship ministry, that was three weeks ago. Got a couple people here tonight, today that could tell us what some of those Ukrainian words were. Under great threat, they continued to do the worship and the mission of God's church. They helped evacuate people. They fed people. They sheltered 200 people every night for a couple weeks, and they continued to worship though in the underground basement, to gather together, and they even had baptisms in the midst of a war. I'm going to read some of their updates to you from the past few weeks, as some photos are put up on the screen. First, from the lady who leads the kitchen team. Our church has been taking care of people since the war began, namely cooking food, because even such an ordinary thing is a bright testimony for God's care for us. People who come to our shelter bring everything from their fridge to be shared. Our team decided that nothing should go bad so we used even some stale bread for vanilla pudding which impressed all the shelter inhabitants. Sometimes people bring products that are almost defrozen so we urgently need to do something with them. We made lazy dumplings from defrozen items which brought much joy to the kids and the pregnant women. Because of working so late, my husband and I have to sneak home in darkness along the side streets to see our own kids. Every day we get more and more courageous. This is from one of the ministers. In these times of severe tests, we experience God's protection and guidance. Our Lord is more powerful than circumstances. Our God is the Lord of miracles. Some years ago, our church met in a round building made of glass, which would be of no use at all in our current reality. So we are thankful for God for our new building. Thanks to people's donations, we were able to buy fuel to evacuate more than 600 adults and kids. We also bought medicines and fuel. Your prayers for peace are literally priceless. Thank you for interceding for us before God. In the midst of this, God has placed us in our city to serve we still have a lot of work to do, but let's care, take care of today. Tomorrow is in the hands of the Lord. I discovered this church because I found an article uh, on the Gospel Coalition website from one of the guys who's a U.S. and also a Ukrainian citizen who's a minister and missionary there, and his article was titled, Why We're Staying. Those updates were from one and two weeks ago, and just this past week, the warfare in Irpin has become so great that most everyone that was sheltering in the church, just a couple, except for just a couple of guys, just a few, uh, they've had to evacuate completely and leave town. Uh, they were the church gathered even in wartime, and now they're the church scattered. Because the wars come. The, the Russian advance has come right through their, their suburb on its way to Kiev now. Last, someone asked after first service the last update says that, that the bu- the apartment building across the street from them was shelled and destroyed and just some shrapnel hit their church building but that was from several days ago so here's an update that the church leaders sent out in the last few days dear urban bible church may peace be upon you this is how the apostles greeted the church when the world was not peaceful for christians and this is how we greet you today wherever we are today we remain a church because it's not the building that makes us a family I have a word for you, my dear children. Not only the body needs protection, but also the soul. And therefore, I advise you, wherever you have scattered, join the local church. If there are no diaspora churches where you are, create small groups or look for someone you can read the Bible or pray with. Do not stand alone. Do not be left without spiritual food. Encourage others. Be a part of the light that overcomes the darkness." Now, just like we're going to see coming up in Acts, those first Christians, even when they were under great hardship, when they were scattered, they brought the light of the kingdom of Jesus with them. Let me read one last message. They said, love is a verb. Everything that is going on is very scary. However, we must have a word from God that love drives away fear. As 1 John 4, 18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives away fear. In the face of a terrible threat to our lives and to the existence of Ukraine, find this resource, this spiritual adrenaline, love. Look around and you'll see someone who feels worse than you, someone who's more scared than you. And help these people. This is the way to overcome fear. This is love to our neighbors and to Christ, and to love is to act. Many people don't know that the church in Ukraine, there's there's evangelical churches all over Ukraine. Ukraine has the second most Baptist churches of any church in Europe. And all those places and other places around the world, of course, the church is acting with courage and loving with boldness, even in the worst of circumstances. Love is a verb and to love is to act, is what they're showing us. There are no guarantees for them or for us. Not for safety, not for comfort or prosperity or even peace in this life. But I just marvel at their courage, don't you? Don't you marvel at their courage and the strength they find in Christ. The courage of ordinary men and women filled with the Spirit of God, doing bold ministry in dangerous times, sharing the gospel boldly. Let's continue to pray and yes, our church, we will be talking, having some information about how we're going to send some help and, and some recommended ways to, to support. That's coming, it is. But wow. As I was preparing the message of Acts 3 and 4, and then I was following the story of this church, you can see how it's just like comes together, and they're living the story of Jesus in these hard times. As Robert Beasley comes up to lead us in prayer, I'm gonna challenge us to, with, with a final point of how we can be a bold witness for Jesus. Not only for Ukraine, but for our people in our own lives, and that is pray bold prayers if you dare. We're here today because we believe that the good news of Jesus tells a better story than what the world has to offer. And that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ, can I get an Amen. That's the only hope. We claim that the gospel creates a beautiful culture. It creates true community, life-changing transformation. It creates a world-shaking mission for us to embark upon together. So the question for us today, First Colony Church, is this, will we tell that gospel story? Will we create that gospel-shaped community here? Will we live out that gospel mission? So church, let's be courageous. Let's be bold, let's be brave, let's, let, let's be different, let's shine our light brightly, let's tell the reason behind the hope that we have, let's speak the words that explain our faith. And let's be, like Peter says, a peculiar people. Church, I'm saying, let's be weird. Yeah, easy for me, I know, but come on, let's be weird. But let's be wisely weird in a winsome way, shall we?